0: Welcome to Talk Newsy to Me, a podcast by the Statesman that breaks down the news for you. I am your host, Sarah Ruberg. Devastating wildfires in California, record-breaking hurricanes on the coast, and unpredictable weather patterns year-round are all clear signs that our climate is changing. And a climate report released by the United States government last Friday indicates the worst is yet to come. Food will be scarcer, thousands more may die, and the U.S. economy could lose hundreds of billions of dollars by the end of the century. The nearly 2,000-page report directly contradicts President Trump's agenda of environmental deregulation, which he says will spur economic growth. Trump's response to the report.
1: I've seen it, uh, I've read some of it, and it's fine. Yeah, I don't believe it. No, no, I don't believe it.
0: I sat down with three Stony Brook students to discuss the report, its impact on our country and the world, and why it all matters to college students. Um, so I'm sitting down talking about the U.S. Climate Report um, with a few people. I'm Sarah Ruberg. I'm a freshman journalism major. and
1: I'm Natalie Grober and I'm a freshman biochem major.
2: Hi, I'm James Haggerty, I'm the outing coordinator for Sierra Club at Stony Brook.
1: And I'm Mel Hunter,
3: I'm chapter chair of the Climate Reality Project at Stony Brook. Could you explain to me what the
0: Climate Reality Project is?
3: So, the Climate Reality Project was founded by Al Gore. It is a nonprofit, and and um, the Stony Brook chapter is working towards getting the, the campus on 100% renewable electricity by 2030.
0: And could you explain to me what the Sierra Club is?
2: The Sierra Club is a, a sub-chapter of a national organization, um, so we primarily try to get people involved in activism through Going hiking and doing other outdoor activities.
0: So first things first, um, what was your reaction to the U.S. climate report that
1: recently came out? Um, well, it was a little like scary to see. I'm well, not scary. Uh, just a little eye-opening to see because it really developed how climate change is so present now, and it's really going to touch every part of everything, from like environment to people to just all over the world, so it's kind of something we all need to be worried about. I would definitely say I
3: was very frustrated and scared reading that report, because yeah. there's so much that we can do to take action now, and I feel like we aren't doing enough, so reading it in the report showing the numbers and the statistics is very upsetting.
2: Um, for me, it's, it's a lot of frustration of just why, why are we just now realizing this is a problem when we where we've had the data for a long time, and why are we not acting immediately to try and fix it?
0: So I'm going to actually turn that back on you guys. Why do you think um, our government and people who can change this, why do you think they aren't taking significant action as of right now?
3: Um, I would say mostly because they don't think it's their problem. Yeah. The people that are in office now or have a pull on voting or whatever, they are not going to be around where climate change is affecting every single person's everyday lives.
1: What I'm hearing more and more now, too, is that a lot of people view it as like almost a snowball effect, how it kind of started off as something small and then continuously became something so much bigger that a lot of uh, politicians, activists, even scientists, even some of them are like, we're too far gone at this point, which is a little sad. So do you think the US
0: will take action in time to solve this from being a more per- permanent issue?
3: I really hope so. I you know, I want my kids to grow up and know what a dolphin is, you know? Like I want them to experience the world the way I did, not in some disaster version of it. You know, I want people to take action because it's what's important, you know?
2: I think that the only real reaction that we can have is to wholeheartedly believe that we will take action um, and do everything that we can to press for action because if we give up there is no alternative.
0: So what are some ways that um, we could press for action? Um,
3: Well um, a part of the climate reality project is we're an advocacy group so Mm -hmm. on campus specifically we've been uh, in contact with the energy manager, uh, Tom Lanzalotta, and President Stanley to get the the facts on where the energy is coming from on campus, and who supplies it, and how much of it's dirty energy or clean energy, and what contracts need to expire before we can look into green energy, you know. So a part of it is definitely advocacy towards the people who are in office now to show what the people are think is important, what they want um, to happen while the particular person is in office.
2: I think a lot of it too is um, finding organizations that are already doing things um, to alleviate climate issues, uh, especially like on campus. We have multiple organizations, Environmental Club, Climate Reality Projects here Club. Um, there's the USG Sust- uh, Sustainability Committee. And they're all working towards projects that will, on a small scale, help with issues like climate change. So in a lot of areas, there there are already people who are doing things that you don't have to reinvent the wheel when it comes towards to um, making a difference towards climate change. So,
0: Do you think uh, college students right now are uh, advocating enough or
3: have enough awareness of the issue of climate change?
2: No. Nah. <laughs> no.
3: <laughs> I think at a STEM school, people are aware of the issues, but they're way too busy to take action, yeah. unfortunately
2: recently, um, I can't remember who I was just talking to recently, but they were, they were talking about when they were in college um, and, and the Vietnam War was going on, college students were actively protesting and, and extremely political and making their voices heard and that right now it doesn't, at least at Stony Brook specifically, it doesn't feel like many of our students are using their voices to the full potential. I mean, we, we have the power to, if there's something that's going wrong, I mean, if, if campus dining is using plastic utensils all the time mm. and we're not okay with that, then we have the power to say no, we don't want this to, to be happening and stand up and mm-hmm. actually say something about it.
1: I think one of the problems is a lot of students don't view it as like a tangible problem. Like they view gun control as an issue because shootings still happen quite frequently. Um, things like vaccine issues that's pretty prevalent you can see it you can see it all happening around you but with climate control uh, climate issues climate control it's a little bit harder to see because it's a bigger kind of a more gradual process even though now it's starting to pick up a lot and you can definitely notice it now more <laughs> but I think it's just comes down to one of those things that it's problem that people recognize is there they just don't like see it as a major priority issue even though they probably should yeah, I agree. I
0: think it's very frustrating to like watch people be so like dispassionate about it, even though they know this is a problem mm-hmm. and it's affecting people, even if it's not affecting us right now. So it's very frustrating to see for sure. Um, so, what are some like policies and regulations like here on campus, nationally, that you would like to see imp-
1: implemented? Going back to the plastic in the <laughs> dining hall, though, yeah. um, that I think is like a huge problem. If like I know um, things happen, stuff breaks down, but um, when they go from using c- a complete silverware and using a dish return system to complete plastic silver, plastic utensils, plastic plates, all of it, it's just not the greatest thing. <laughs> like I know, like napkins are okay, um, the straws that are getting popular now the like uh what are paper. they the paper yeah. straws yeah mm-hmm. like sure that's a re- that's an okay step but uh the plastic utensils kind of oh. gotta go yeah.
0: yeah i just walked into the cafeteria yeah. <laughs> today and instead of using like the
3: plates and silverware they had like all the plastic
1: stuff now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. i was
3: like oh okay
1: i
0: don't know
3: about you guys but i just eating off of plastic like plates and silverware is just disgusting yeah (laughs) i i do not like the feel of plastic (laughs) in my mouth on my teeth yeah
1: it's like when you're a baby and you put things in your mouth and people (laughs) tell you to take them out right away like why are we doing that now when we were told nazi as a kid yeah um are there any other things on campus
0: or even nationally that Mm -hmm. you guys would like to see changed
2: plastic water bottle sales uh i have a personal vendetta against plastic water bottles (laughs) at all um, but especially on campus where there, there are a plethora of places to fill up your, your reusable water bottle, mm-hmm. um, I think it's absolutely absurd that we sell design water or whatever it is. I would
3: love for a greater push for renewable electricity on campus and off campus. I know Long Island itself is doing a lot with the wind farms and yeah. whatever, but... On campus, we have contracts that prevent us from having solar, wind, geothermals, anything on campus to mitigate some of the um, carbon emissions that we use. We have no plans for uh, renewables on campus, and it's incredibly frustrating to me, considering the school is like one of the -the top-of-the-art schools, and in the middle of an island that's more or less sand-like. We should be uh, doing whatever we can to, you know, protect the environment around us. Yeah, I don't yeah. see that
0: happening. It seems a little hypocritical when you see all the, like, mm-hmm. go green, like, yeah.
3: <laughs> like, signs everywhere
1: on campus. Or like. even, like, um, like things like recycling isn't really mm-hmm. as pushed as hard as it should be. Like, you go into a suite anywhere and you see the two, like, the blue bin and then the normal trash gray bin, and people just don't really care. They don't yeah. toss anything willy-nilly. And, like, if, like, things like little... Little things like that could be, mm-hmm. like, a step in the right direction. Um, so I'm actually going to take a little different
0: direction <laughs> here. Um, so, with all... Back to the U.S. climate report. With all of these, um, scientific... With all the scientific research coming out on, um... If we even increase global warmth by 1.5 degrees Celsius, um... There's going to be catastrophic consequences. Why do you think that, um scientific research is still political debate and not fact. Especially around the issues of environmental change, Mm. I know. Well,
1: um, I I honestly, I have no idea why some people just don't believe, like, the straight scientific facts. Like, it's becoming more evident now with our current uh, political situation, um, because more and more people just look at climate as being... climate issues as being, like, a joke and not actually there, and then it kind of spreads to the rest of the population, but uh, I honestly couldn't point to anything in particular. Like, I don't get why people don't believe the actual facts supporting the issues with climate right now.
2: Um, I... I've listened to a lot of political news. I think... (laughs) I'm thinking... Equitable is the right word. I think it would be the problem between considering two opinions to be equal or giving them equitable weight, uh, I think, From i thinking of how equitable is defined properly, um, where we, we present the idea of climate change as, oh, well, 99 si- climate scientists believe in climate change and one, one climate scientist doesn't. But then when it comes to like media coverage, they go out and they find one climate scientist who supo- who believes in climate change and they find one climate scientist who doesn't believe in climate change instead of, putting on a panel of 99 of them versus one, where we present it as if there is still some uncertainty, and there's not any uncertainty. I mean, we are causing it, and it needs to be very, like, the, the people who are out there saying, no, this, this potentially is not caused by humans, um, like, there should be an overwhelming pushback against that, saying, yes, we are doing this, and denying facts is not is not acceptable not that you should censor them but you should (laughs) explain to them why they're wrong
3: i would (laughs) say um the thing that's keeping people from not jumping on board with climate change as real is probably in part social media which can be a blessing and a curse where people will scroll through their news feed or whatever and see one post that says one thing and this other post that says another thing and they can contradict each other so they don't know what to believe. And similar to what James said, like, I don't know, you should pull all of the pros and all of the cons and see, you know, which one's heavier rather than, you know...
2: Confirmation bias, right? So when somebody has a predisposed idea if they can find one article out of 10 articles that supports their idea they're going to latch onto that one article instead of the other nine that are saying that no this is (laughs) this is a real problem
1: i think it comes around to a lot of the like people in charge of our country right now too are like really against climate change which is a little sad to see but um again when you see someone of power that's telling you hey so that's not true that's not right they're some people are, like, they're in charge of me, I should follow that and take heed to that, but you have to kind of... It comes back to, like, you kind of have to dig deep and look for stuff on your own and really find your own truth with that.
0: So do you believe that the current administration and where they stand on climate change after this report came out, do you think anything's going to change? Do we have hope? Do we not?
3: (laughs) I have hope for 2020. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Just... When you, when you have people in power that don't know the difference between weather and climate, which are very different <laughs> yes. things, it, those are things you learn in elementary school. Those are things that you should know the difference between. And just because we have one snowy day doesn't mean climate change doesn't exist. But considering that that snow is in early November... Or how last year we had a ninety five degree day in February yeah. that's suspicious, like that there's these ridiculously weird out of the blue events that are becoming more and more common as the years go on that's what climate is compared to weather right. so I think that <laughs> the pe peop- the people in power should be more informed on. The things that the people think is important, you know, and scientists clearly say are true or you know, they should pay attention to this type of stuff
2: I definitely, sorry I I definitely think that there is hope I mean, close to 40 seats in the House of Representatives just got flipped and a lot of them flipped center or center-left and regardless of political views, I mean left tends to be more receptive to climate change issues um, so I really would hope that um, we start seeing some progress towards that and that the best way to ensure that we do see progress continuing is that more people of our generation need to get involved in politics because they are hand-in-hand hand very very related. Um, I mean the, the politicians are the ones who have the power to make all of the renewable energy technology and the renewable energy jobs uh, actually come into play.
0: It shouldn't have to be a partisan issue. Mm. Mm-hmm.
3: It really shouldn't exactly. be. It's, it's just it's, fact. It's,
0: <laughs> it's, gonna, <Yeah. laughs> it's gonna
3: affect us all. Like if we don't yeah. do anything, climate change is gonna ruin everybody—Democrat, Republican, somewhere in the middle, any other party. It's gonna affect us all. So why does it have to be a party thing? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's there. Was in the report they said it was going to be twice economically. It was going to be twice as disastrous as the Great Recession was. Yeah. It was, that was a it's pretty a rough time. <laughs> rough time. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, hopefully we get our act together. Yeah. Um, it's coming quickly too. I think people think this is a mm-hmm. futuristic thing. It's not going to happen in a hundred years or so. Well, it's. I
3: think there was happening something I read now, that said that. In a lifetime. That um. We have, like, 12 years Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. reverse the effects or we're screwed.
1: Yeah, and I just read something that was, like, um, this came out, what's today? Is today the 27th? It came out today um, that CO2 emissions have been the highest they've ever been, which um, isn't great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll just say it at that. So it's, like, things are, like I said before, it's just progressively going to keep picking up unless something is done to slow it down. Um. So, I, my last question, because this
0: podcast
3: is about um, why college students should care. So, what do you think? Why should college students care? College students should care because this is our planet now. Like, in the future, we're going to be taking up all those renewable energy jobs, hopefully, and filling those political um, openings and roles. And I think if we take action now to preserve the planet that we wanna live in, I think that's what makes it super important.
1: I mean, there are those people that have like the cheesy shirts that say like there is no plan B mm-hmm. and like a planet of the Earth. Mm-hmm. A picture of the Earth. And like that's pretty true. Like at the moment, I mean sure you get you see stuff every day, like the Mars landing the other day. Um stuff like that, sure. There's like Possibilities that we could do stuff in space, other things like that. But at the moment, Earth is our only option to live on, so we should probably um, try and do the best we can to support it and like keep it safe. Like it's our planet, it's our home. You should want to protect your home, like you protect the home you live in or the dorm you live in, stuff like that.
2: Climate change isn't like a final project in Math 101 or or like intro to, to English or something where you know, you're know, going to push it off until the last minute and then cram and get it all done and, you know, oh, we're going to get our C and we'll be fine. Mm. You, we can't wait until the last minute because if we decide in year 11 and a half and if we wait until that deadline and then we decide that we want to care and if we wait until we're 35 and we're about to have a family and then we decide, oh wait, this was an issue. I wish I had, I had said something when I had the chance 15 years ago. Um, that's not going to be a good thing. Um, silence is, is not the way to go. We have a voice and we need to use our voice to enact change and we need to yell and yell and yell and tell the people who are in power that they need to do something because we're their constituents and they are supposed to represent us. And if they're not going to do it, then we need to go out and we need to do it ourselves. Because, like you guys said, it's our home. And I want to continue living here, and I think everybody else wants to continue living here.
0: That's it for this episode. If you want to be on Talk Newsy to me or have a topic you want to pitch, email multimedia at sbstatesman.com. I'm Sarah Rubrik. Thank you to Natalie Grober, Mel Hunter, and James Haggerty. Talk newsy to me is produced by Eliza Cosmi. For more Statesman content, head over to sbstatesman.com or pick up the paper on a newsstand near you.